We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan, David Haw. Did you think they named all these flights after her? 1989. That's her Kansas City. American Airlines, nod to them. They're taking advantage of the publicity. United, they, they... Had the numbers like 1587. Okay. Like the Jersey numbers. Well, I think Americans' flight from Kansas City to Vegas is 1989. The return flight is 87. Oh, the Chiefs are going to Super Bowl 58. Five plus eight equals 13. What? 13 is Taylor's favorite number. She is doing all of this. Yeah, well, she has been to a lot of games. Says she's been to 12 so far. Super Bowl will be number 13. Okay, but she can't possibly get there in time for the game. A nonstop flight from Tokyo to Vegas. I think I know where this is going. 13 hours. Okay, but not everything is 13 related, right? Like, this game will be Travis Kelsey's 22nd playoff game. Oh no, I immediately regret saying I don't it. know about you. Yep. I'm feeling 22. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 6.70 The Score. Super Bowl Swifty 8. Did you actually say Super Bowl Swifty 8? I think I might have said Super Bowl 58. No, I think you said... Super Bowl Swift the eight. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. It is indeed Super Bowl 58 at the end of the week. Although, given the news last night, uh, bigger than Sinatra, Taylor Swift, uh, she'll be hopefully getting to the game, Mr. David. How was your weekend, buddy? How Morning, you holding up? Happy Monday. Yeah, doing fine. That was quite a show with the Grammys and Taylor, obviously, at the center of everything. It is Super Bowl week. A lot of stuff going on in Chicago over the weekend. Certainly now we're looking ahead at next Sunday. Where do you want to start? Well, I want to start with Taylor Swift at the Grammys and the fact that this guy that she's supposedly dating stiffed her. That was, <laughs> uh, that was Grammy uh, stiffy, whatever, 13, whatever. He should have been there. I don't care what his game is at the end of the – no, I don't. Was his brother there? Did he send his brother? Did he send yeah. a family representative? He was, he was shirtless in the back of the room screaming. Yeah. He was seat filling. I, I, I think that <laughs> – He filled all of them. He, he filled all of them and uh, probably had a great time. That was uh, – she's going to Tokyo. She's got four back-to-back shows now. She's got quite a week, and she'll be back in Vegas on Sunday in time for kickoff. It's great. Yeah. Is uh, is Zach Levine going to take a flight with her? Oh boy! Just so we can get to the big game too. Oh boy! You know that's uh, unfortunate, and I mm. will talk to it. We're looking forward to talking to KC. That was one of uh, several big stories over the weekend in Chicago sports, and you do feel for Zach because it seemed like it might have been inevitable once he went down the second time this season. But season-ending knee surgery, right before I'm sorry, ankle surgery right before the trade deadline. Not great timing, not great news. No, and, um, and you know, a personal decision, right? So you got to keep that sort of in the back of your mind as well. I'd be very curious in talking to KC, um, his take on that element of it, he, you know, 
ended up deciding with him in clutch sports is where it was announced that he wasn't going to play. And that, you know, Billy Donovan was very honest about it. Yeah, it was his decision. So that's interesting. Well, it is interesting because I think that you it leaves it leaves the question it begs the question that could he would he have decided differently if they were in contention would he uh, have acted or responded differently had he already been traded and now you wonder it's like okay well, well let's just do this let's just get healthy go into the off season wait from the deal wait for them to deal us in the off season and go from there when you have you know when you let your player have this kind of empowerment well, I that's think these yep. these are the kind of things you're going to encounter. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, you know, early February, as you say, the Bulls don't seem to be headed anywhere, and their max player wants out of town, and now is you could, if you wanted to be cynical, think that he's going to have surgery and rehab on their dime for his next team. That would be cynical, but it also would be accurate. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that, is, that is true, and you just don't know what direction this franchise will be headed, who will be on the roster when Zach is healthy enough to either factor in or escort out of town. And so this is, uh, I think what this does, this tables the discussion, doesn't it? Because we were going to spend four days breathlessly figuring out trade speculation with Zach Levine. Now you remove, you remove, remove him from the equation, Molly. I don't know. I don't know who else really, you're going to be sit there and wait for some news to break. I, are they going to trade DeMar DeRozan now? I mean, what could they get for him anyway? And what does that say about the direction of the franchise? I, I, I don't know that it's yeah. going to be anything big this week. Yeah, I, I'm not sure we were expecting uh, anything huge this week to begin with because, sadly, there doesn't seem to be a trade market for Zach Levine and whatever trade market there was dried up awful quick when it became apparent that he wasn't going to be back this basketball season. And you want to be cynical. This is this is also somewhat cynical. His agency and representation knew that. And so rather than yep. uh, expose him to several more days of, of rep- repetitive uh, reminders that there is no trade market, nobody wants him, then they're going to take, it, you know, take him out of the equation by opting for the surgery now. And hopefully he gets better later and everybody can start over. And as we talked about the Super Bowl, everybody, it's in the forefront of all minds. It's the end of the football season. It should be a pretty good game. It's in Las Vegas. We can talk about that. How about Patrick Mahomes Sr. being arrested Saturday night in Tyler, Texas, on suspicion of driving while intoxicating, according to the online jail record. And, uh, you know, listen, we talk about all the big distraction and who's going to be good and who's going to – if you're going to win a Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes has to be at his best for mm-hmm. Kansas City. And this is clearly a distraction for that player. And I don't – you know, I don't know how big a deal it is. I don't know details of everything that happened – but it's a story happening the week before the Super Bowl, and people are going to be monitoring everything he does uh, as if uh, this is going to somehow blind him from being able to play. Timing stinks, and it's irresponsible whenever it happens on the calendar. Yeah. But I do think this. When you're looking at Patrick Mahomes, you get the sense that he has dealt with some of these distractions yeah. in his personal life and maybe with his family 
His brother has been in the news for the wrong reasons. Uh, his dad, it doesn't sound like this is his first encounter with this t- kind of a thing, a former professional athlete, former Cub. But Patrick Mahomes, through it all, just continues to to be the guy he always is. So I, I don't know if this will be a huge distraction. It certainly is a headline you don't want to read and you don't want to see, and it doesn't help. But I, I, I think it will be somewhat of an overreaction to think that it will affect him next Sunday on the field. Yeah, I, I think, as you say, he's used to having different things in his – he's used to the um, camera in front of him, and he's used to people monitoring what he has to say and how people leave the stadium and his brother's situation. So I, I, I don't know that this is the same thing as people seem to be trying to link to what happened with Andy Reid's son. I mean, that seems like a Ugh, completely yeah. different story and a horrible one at that, but uh, but we'll say I I um I don't know that I'm wagering based on that, David. I don't know that that's going to decide how I feel about it. But it's just it's I, a distraction. I, I would think as we sit here on Monday morning of Super Bowl week, in the midst uh, of in the wake of the news that his father was arrested over the weekend, I still think that it would be difficult to bet against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt about that. He's still going to the Hall of Fame. He's still got the, the many games behind him. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's just tough. And it's going to be uh, fun to see how he handles it with the, what are they calling it, the, the media. Uh, it's not media day the way it used to be. It's right. more of a made-for-TV event. But he's going to be asked. I'm sure he has um, a plan to go into it. It just he seems unflappable. And, and I think whether it's on the field or at the podium, this is a guy who is somewhat unflappable and always has been. So he'll probably handle it the way that he typically has handled other distractions. I'm curious if you watch 10 seconds of the Pro Bowl, the flag football game. Um, the weekend, the Pro Bowl games went to the NFC. The younger brother beating the older brother. They keep doing this Manning Brothers thing. It was 65 to 59 in the final recording. Did you say 10 seconds? I think I might have been at seven, and then I flipped the channel. Well, it just didn't engage you, did it? I I, I saw Baker Mayfield throwing a pass, and I saw actually hung around for him to be interviewed. He was kind of funny. Um, Then I did flip around. You know, I ended up spending more time watching the NHL All-Star game than the Pro Bowl, and I I don't know why I ended up watching it, but uh, Connor McDavid and and Dreisaitl were putting on a kind of a – clinic and it was fun but I did not watch a lot of the Pro Bowl I I, I enjoyed some of the headlines I thought Jalen Johnson was outstanding and the way that he put his future about his his heart is with the Bears his his head is with the money um very well put but no I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time on the Pro Bowl yeah he did he said that he's um so you know mind on his money money on his mind but uh still wants to stay in Chicago Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. That, money. But it sounded like they got to pay him. You know, it, it doesn't sound like oh, a guy. Oh, there's money involved. Yes. The, the further, and this is this is a danger. Now, they do have the, the franchise tag tool. Sure. They have the transition tag tool. Mm. You don't want to do that. But the longer you get away from the season, the more these other things can, can play big factors. And it's obviously about the money. And I just don't know what the, where the Bears are when you're talking about a cornerback that's going to want to be paid north of $20 million per year. Um, and your guy, Luke Getze, 
He is uh, staying with it, man. He's going to be the offensive coordinator of the Raiders well, setting up a big trade. <laughs> well, maybe. I mean, that, wouldn't that be the th- no delicious or, irony? That's that crazy. Be, oh, that'd be hilarious. That would be crazy. That's why I don't think they're going to do it. But it is. this is an interesting development. And, and I think that, obviously, there are going to be some people who, who are shocked by Luke Getze getting hired again. There's going to be some people who overreact to the fact that, see, it was Justin Fields' fault. The truth is what the truth – the truth is now what the truth was when we ended the season. Responsibility for the Bears' offense being broken was shared. Justin Fields could have been better, and Luke Getze could have been better. I'm not shocked that he got another another go at it because you look around the league, Mully, and it's – Sick, half the half the league has turned over their offensive coordinators in the last two years. This is what guys do. They get recycled. They get second chances. And then Luke Getze has one in Vegas. Has it occurred to you? Have you thought about the idea like maybe Getze's a really good coach? Maybe yes. this will be something, you know, extremely unusual and amazing. Molly, it's not that long ago, as right. we talked last week, that we, there were people afraid that Luke Getze – would be going to another team to be a head coach so they should fire Matt Eberflus just to make sure that he can't get out of town. So he could be considered. He does have a league-wide reputation of being a pretty bright coach. He's still a young enough man to where if he wants to be a head coach one day, some success in Vegas could certainly help precipitate that. Um, So I'm not shocked. I'm not that shocked, and I don't look at it as necessarily a referendum on anything, but I do think that in the league you're going to get second chances. No doubt about it. I think what's curious about it is the Raiders were uh, reported to be hiring uh, Cliff Kingsbury. And then, um, and then suddenly he kind of withdraws and he's going to Washington. And he had been working with uh, Caleb Williams. And now he will be in Washington, which is one of the teams that is rumored to be very interested in local guy, Caleb Williams. And Caleb went on his, uh, went on his Instagram page and said, uh, had a picture of Cliff Kingsbury with, uh, with the words, my dog, D-A-W-G, congrats. That's great. That means they had a very good relationship, which is all the things that we thought when the Bears interviewed Cliff Kingsbury, or did they really just want to get intel on Caleb Williams when they interviewed Cliff Kingsbury? Molly, the thing is that Cliff Kingsbury is a bright play caller, an offensive mind. You figured that he was going to get back in the league at some point in time. This means that the commanders value him on the staff. They also are in a position to make a move up, but you can't you, you, if you're the Bears, it doesn't matter. If you don't want to trade the pick, you're not going to trade the pick. So him being there is interesting, but I don't know that it means that, okay, now Caleb Williams is going to D.C., going back home, and the Bears are going to be more likely to make a deal. If you don't want to make a deal, you're not going to make it. It just feels. It feels like you could have had um, Caleb Williams' dog, and instead you got Shane Waldron because he could work with Justin Fields. And meanwhile, <laughs> that's reading him, that's he, reading a lot into it. You meanwhile, think that? you have to trade him now, Fields, <laughs> yeah. to the Raiders because they have Luke Getz. I, I don't. Do I can't, you, do you think I can't that, read anything into it. Clearly, you, it's beyond me. Do you think that Luke Getze is Justin Fields' dog? 
D-A-W-G. <laughs> no. No. No, I don't. And Maybe not. I, I just think it's funny, though, that people are putting together. Uh, no one in Chicago, but nationally, oh, they hired the offensive coordinator of Justin Fields. Well, like, Molly, I, I, like that. I, I think what we're learning is maybe you do have to be a little careful about what some of these national reports imply. Yeah. How about um, how about Colin Cowherd, your guy, how about that? your dog, came out and um, he had reported that um, that I think it was something along the lines that that Justin, um, not Justin, that Caleb Williams wouldn't come to Chicago because he didn't like 40s football or something along those lines. We got a lot of mileage Friday morning out of the fact that Colin Coward left the definite impression, and we were talking about the difference between reporting and speculating, but he left the definite impression that he had been told that Caleb Williams would not play for the Bears, did not want to come to Chicago. And on Friday afternoon, on two Chicago radio stations, he appeared to take that back. Right, right. He did take it back. And then on his own show, he came out and said flat out that he had heard from the camp of one Caleb uh, Williams and been told that there were, you know, basically he, it, the way it sounded is they were like, why are you trying to mess with him in Chicago? What are you right. doing? And then, right. and then Caleb sent out a photo of him as a, as a very small child wearing a bear, a little bear on his, um, on the clothes, he, on his pajamas, he wore a bear. Not a bear logo, not a not a Chicago bear, but an actual little bear. I think we're also learning about Caleb Williams that, number one, he is pretty much plugged into the social media scene and understands perception. Right. And he also has a pretty good sense of humor. That's funny stuff. But I think he also would like to be the person controlling whatever message he wants to send as opposed to... Colin Cowherd giving his opinion on what's going on. No doubt about it. No, 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 no doubt about it. I, I think that, and, and Texas responding to it, he did not take it back. He kind of did. Uh, you know, didn't he? I mean, he, he backtracked to the point where, okay, he was, if he didn't take it back, Molly, wasn't he then presenting two different things that could be true? He was saying that eight weeks ago he got the indication that there would be problems in Chicago for obvious reasons about the history of the quarterback position. We've talked about mm-hmm. all the other things. But then he made it clear that he heard from Caleb Williams' camp, said, hey, wait a second, don't say that. He is not against Chicago. In fact, he thinks that they can win there the way they won in Houston with a good defense. You plop in a quarterback and you watch him go. So he did backtrack and he did backpedal. So I think that is the way I interpreted it. I don't know about you. Um, I, I felt that on his own show, he definitely took it back, whether anybody thought so or not. Uh, the guy, what was it, on Friday, he basically said that the camp had called him and that they were okay with the Bears, et cetera. So that's taking it back. When now you're claiming you got a source you know, reporting to you that what you had reported wasn't true, and, again, maybe it was opinion. Maybe he was sta- saying something that people had told him. What we know is he flat out said that uh, that wasn't the case. Right. It wasn't the case. Yeah. So I heard, I heard everyone heard the same interview, and I heard it twice. And, basically, you misrepresented what was true. 
And I think we all have been caught in this situation before, Mully. So I think these things happen. But uh, he got he misrepresented what was true. He got called on it, mm-hmm. and he he clarified. And good for him for doing that, you know, because I think there was obviously a concerted effort for him to to clarify things, or else he wouldn't have been on two Chicago radio stations Friday afternoon. That's just the way it works. Yeah. So there you go. Um, it was a different story from one day to the next. <laughs> Whether anyone wants to say that or not, it's it's, it's, it's not that hard. No, yeah, it's, it, it's actually it, kind of funny. It is kind of funny. And Friday afternoon was a big news day. How about the Bears South Lot Stadium uh, news that broke with Greg Hines and Crane Chicago? That's a big deal, potentially. Yeah. I mean, if it happens, it's a big deal. Well, (laughs) you know, I just – there's so many stories about the Bears and where they're going to go and what – I get it. They're unhappy about the $100 appraisal of the property. By the you know the the money that they're not getting a break on in Arlington Heights, do you believe that they're going to build a stadium next to their stadium? I, I'm I'm having a hard time with it. Well, I think we're all having a hard time knowing what's real and what is manufactured for the purpose of leverage. Right. But I do think that when you see what's uh, here's the way I look at it, Molly. These guys. Kevin Warren, Brandon Johnson, the the big players in this, they have their reputations at stake as well. And if you're Kevin Warren and you have a story like this that's out there and you're exploring this possibility, you've got to be very careful that you you aren't using people, even though it feels like you might be using this as leverage, that you don't get too far afield and, you know, you're all of a sudden you're – you're looking at plans for a lakefront uh, stadium, a dome, and you're looking around the room and how are we going to pay for this? And, 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 I, and I, I don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's feasible. But, Molly, it is an option. And I think you have people of some repute here reporting it, talking about it, and they have explored it. So I don't think it's just something that – it's not like, to me – Naperville or Waukegan or one of these other oh, leverage oh, ploys that you dismiss. You're absolutely correct about that. I don't. I think it's totally different from those. That's kind of you know, that's pie in the sky stuff. And I just think that they are so close where they're at that the the idea that you know I I hear what you're saying. Don't don't be using people in Chicago that you may need. I don't think that's the way they look at it. I think you're trying to get the best deal for the building, and you got to have viable options. If along the way one of those viable options really appeals to you, then maybe you stop and look at it in a way that you didn't. But they seem pretty close out there if if they can get what they want from the people that live there. And if I, if, I, if I were advising them, I would say hold fast. I would not be melting down over uh, over what has been proposed. In the, there are a lot of questions with a South uh, parking garage oh. uh, stadium. No doubt about it. Last thing I'll say in this because we do have a, a pick six question about it is, Molly. I, I think that this though is the romantic notion. This is the idealistic end to this project, keeping the Bears in Chicago. Oh, be great! G- giving them that that dome that is a multi-purpose facility and keeping Chicago as vibrant as it is in that, you know, in that South 
uh, loop area. And, and the, the one thing that I can't answer, and I'm not sure any of us can, is Kevin Warren infatuated with that idea? Is he so enamored with the city that this is now going to be the way that he tries to f- make this happen? Because we have heard him talk about how Chicago and what he thinks about the city and international destination and all of the things. Is that enough to compel him to try to push this project over the site of Arlington Heights where they've already bought and already own? I, I mean, it's, it's obviously high concept. If you could get a Final Four and you can get a Super Bowl and you can get all these big events in there, that's, that's <laughs> wonderful. I, who wouldn't go for it? I, I, I wonder if Friends of the Park are worried about birds flying in. I mean, I, you know, with a giant, they might be. I'm, I'm just you, saying. There you, are you, things you, we haven't even well, well, Friends of the of. Park. Friends of the Park worried about birds. Here, Friends of the City worried about how to pay for it. Unique bonding clause is something that I am I'm troubled by. The unique bonding clause that allows how, how in the world are they going to pay for a $2.5 billion structure in downtown Chicago? It's a great question. And uh, would it be awesome to have it there? Yes. Absolutely. Do you want anything to do with um, contributing a tax dollar to it? I would say not so much. I want to know, could you walk from the new Bears Stadium to the new White Sox Park and still, you know, on a September Sunday, make both games? All while not giving the Cubs a dime. It seems to be some weird policy established. Yeah. Okay. All right. We got to get, as you say, we got to pick all this stuff apart in the pick six. And we'll do that next. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767 or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick six with Mully and Haw starts now. How did you react to the news that Zach Levine will undergo season-ending foot surgery? Do you wonder if Zach Levine is trying to get himself healthy for his next team? Does his situation underscore how much of a mistake the Bulls made by making him a max player? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of yeses in my reaction to this. I my When I heard Zach Levine was undergoing season-ending foot surgery and I heard that it was, you know, coming from – clutch sports in Zach Levine and not the Bulls, I thought, wow, like the guy's trade value is damaged. 
they can't get anybody interested. He's not in the 40-man group to play in the Olympics. And how do you explain all that? Well, he's had a serious foot injury, so he's going to need surgery to get it fixed. That may well be the case, and that may well uh, be the answer. This may allow him to to uh, play better than he played. Um, but, it, you know, clearly – they made a mistake by making him their max player because he hasn't lived up to that uh, standing. And I would say clearly, hes I don't think he's playing here again. I mean, is there a chance they could get him back for the start of the season before they trade him? Maybe there's an off chance of that, just so they can show people that he has value left. But I, I think that um, this is a move made by the player for the future of his career and his the future of his career is not with the bulls so i'm just this is just my opinion of what i'm looking at and you know you can want out all you want but if you're of no value you're stuck so you get yourself healthy and then maybe you get yourself uh wanted elsewhere well that is super interesting the point you just made there molly about if that is it, it, it as a bull? It, will he play again? Will he put that jersey back on? Right? I mean, that that really is the biggest question because also part of all of this is the trade deadline on Thursday. You know, what are they going to do? The Bulls are they going to? You know, we got to go for trying to be a 500 team and make it in as a as a playing team, or are they going to strip this thing all the way down and then potentially try to build up around? Max Levine after that. I shook my head. I sighed. And then when I heard Billy Donovan basically say, in as many words, this was Zach's decision. This wasn't the Bulls' decision. This was Zach's decision to protect himself, in my opinion. And and I think, yeah, the, the line here, is he getting better and healthy for his next team? I believe the answer to that question is yes. Paul talked to Executive Rich Paul and then they spoke to Coach Rich Paul, and all of them agreed that this was the way they're going to go. This was definitely calculated, and I think that since Zach, Zach's camp made a trade demand back in November, this has been a season that has been out of the Bulls' control. So the thought of him playing again in a Bulls uniform is unrealistic, I think, because what we're going to do is <clears throat> get to the end of the season. And if the Bulls stand pat at the trade deadline – who are they going to trade? I mean, what are they going to do? They still could convince themselves and play well enough to be a play-in team. They're going nowhere. They're running in place. We know who they are, and we know what they're not. So moving forward, I think that you're looking at the reality. This offseason is going to be one of significant seismic change with the Chicago Bulls. That will include saying goodbye to DeMar DeRozan after a really productive tenure. That'll be moving on from Zach Levine and his max contract. The only thing I would say about this is that with Zach, the professional, I do like him. I find him likable. I know a lot of people don't. I like Zach Levine. I also think that making him a max player was a basketball miscalculation, but I do think that injuries happen, and I'm not sure that this is necessarily related to the fact that he's making all that money. I do think the inclusion of the agent has complicated things significantly, and that's where we're at with the Bulls. So... I don't think he plays another game in a Bulls uniform. I'll be able to answer that question to you in about six months. 
What was your reaction to the Cranes report that the Bears have identified property just south of Soldier Field as the top option for a new stadium replacing Arlington Heights? I thought it was a very significant development because what it does is it gives voice to what you thought the Bears should have been pursuing all along. I think that you talk about the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field in the city, in the South Loop, that's where uh, your your first priority probably should have been. I understand why Arlington Heights makes all the sense. I understand that still is the most likely destination for a team that wants to own its own stadium and print its own money, essentially. I don't have a great deal of comfort when I think about the financing mechanism and the structure, how this would have to be paid for the Illinois Sports Facilities Authority, and the loopholes that exist, the the clause that I worry about, the unique bonding clause. I would remind everybody that there is still, as of June 30th, 2023, last summer, $488.6 million in outstanding debt. They could find a loophole that could pay for this forever. And maybe you'd love keeping the Bears in Chicago, but it would be expensive, and you wonder if that is one of Brandon Johnson's priorities. Should it be? I don't know. A lot of questions, but this coming forward tells me Kevin Warren loves the idea of keeping the Bears in the city of Chicago. Yeah, this is not necessarily hugely surprising. I think there's a little bit of both here. I think Kevin Warren does want to keep the Bears downtown. I love the idea of keeping the Bears downtown. I've always said that. But there's obviously part of this is a negotiating tactic because they are, is it $100 million, guys, right? That's $100 million they're a part with the negotiation on this tax with Arlington Heights. So, yeah, I think this is a uh, – I think there's definitely something going on. I think there's two options. I think it's Arlington Heights or stay in the city. The other options are just fake and phony and don't really exist. Yeah, um, this is a tough one to kind of contemplate. I, I think, gosh, it'd be great if they built a state-of-the-art stadium in downtown Chicago. It'd be awesome. And um, I know that, um, you know, I read the story of uh, of Day in the Life of Kevin Warren, and he seems to have a very warm relationship with the mayor, where the mayor calls him Mr. President. He calls him Mr. Mayor. That is, um, that's wonderful to see those guys get along. I, this, the money on this thing, the, the, all you got to do is follow the money. Who's paying what? How much does it cost? And how are you getting people hooked in to agreeing to it? So I I would wonder if this is perfect timing, if this is feasible, or if this is a negotiating tactic. I don't know the answer to that. I think you can be absolutely, completely in love with building your dream home on this site and then find out, that there's this problem, that problem, the next problem. I think that happens all the time, just in real estate. If somebody has some thing that you got to resolve between neighbors before you can move in, whatever it might be. And on a much, much larger scale, something like this could be going on. Um, I think it would take a lot longer to get your uh, to get your shovels in the dirt if you built it in uh in Chicago as opposed to kind of pushing it through in Arlington Heights. But I don't know. I don't know what the uh, 
I don't know what's real and what is sort of this imaginary plan. So it's difficult until you see something other than this kind of fun idea to, to weigh in on it. The money gets, is where the whole thing can stop pretty cold. Well, the dream home was Arlington Heights. It was your home that you owned and could benefit from that. This, to me, is plan B. Plan A was build in the suburbs, make our own money, and go from there. And that has fallen through to this point. No, you asked me the question. So I'm going to answer your question. All right. What did we make of Colin Cowherd going on not one but two Chicago radio stations Friday to clarify comments he made a day earlier suggesting Caleb Williams wouldn't play for the Bears? Was Cowherd being accountable or backpedaling like a Pro Bowl cornerback? Yeah, I, I mean, again, I think it's an interesting idea. I think that it's some, you know, it's great fodder for sports talk. What if this happens? What if that happens? I've heard it from other people. I don't think there was anything necessarily a breakthrough in what he said other than the possibility. And then I think that, um, you know, he heard from people involved saying, hey, keep your nose out of it. And you know what? I wouldn't go for to him for clarity on the story. I don't think he's a confidant of Caleb Williams. He's just kind of taking one theoretical idea and running with it, and maybe he overstepped his bounds, and that's why he's uh, taking a, a step back on it. But he definitely, he definitely changed what he was saying after talking to the camp, and. Um, are the Bears going to have a problem with Caleb Williams? Certainly a possibility. I don't think they're out of the woods on that. But I don't know that he's not coming to Chicago. Somewhere somewhere in the middle. I think Colin Cowherd definitely heard from a reliable source that the kid's family wasn't thrilled about the idea of going to Chicago. I don't think he made that up. But I think he might have taken it a bit too far. And I think he definitely heard from the Caleb Williams camp, and he backpedaled like a Pro Bowl cornerback, but probably not a Pro Bowl cornerback, probably more like a Division Three cornerback. Yeah, I mean, he did report something he heard eight weeks ago. Eight weeks ago, I probably would have had reservations about the Bears too. And what he did on Friday, according to the world that we live in and how things get aggregated and then re-reported, Colin Coward corrected himself. That was the way that Sports Illustrated referred to it. And, and he did. He corrected himself. Somebody called him and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're not anti-Chicago. And that is all you needed to hear. It was a good reminder for Bears fans. It was a good reminder for Bears media. It was a good reminder for everybody. Unless you hear something attributed directly to Caleb Williams in this rumor season, in this silly season, be skeptical. Question where it came from. Wonder if it's true. It certainly wasn't in this case. You know, he's the number one. He's going to be the number one overall draft pick in all likelihood. And he came out and he doesn't have anything against playing in Chicago. That's the bottom line. I guess you give Collard and Coward credit for facing the music on Friday afternoon. But I think in some degree he had a responsibility to correct misinformation that he put out there himself and created quite a stir. That's a great question. And I'm glad you brought that up. 
That's the voice of Brad Biggs, and uh, our guy Biggs wrote out of the Senior Bowl, the consensus out of the Bears draft plan, quote, it's becoming a question of which quarterback the Bears choose, not if they will select a quarterback number one, end quote. Is it a foregone conclusion the Bears will replace Justin Fields? Have you contemplated that someone other than Caleb Williams could be the answer to that question? Well, those are two very different questions. I think, number one, is it a foregone conclusion the Bears will replace Justin Fields? It feels like that. It feels like that. And not just because of what we'll talk about with the Luke Getze um, kind of uh, development, but I think that when you talk to people and you hear what the Bears might be leaning toward and the evaluation of Caleb Williams is so complimentary and positive that you think it would be a, you know, can they risk moving on from Justin Fields? Can they risk not taking Caleb Williams? So I think that it is, to me, it feels like a foregone conclusion. The fact that it could be someone other than Caleb Williams, Drake May, um, somebody else like that, Jaden Daniels, I don't think that's realistic. I think that those are guys and quarterbacks that likely will be still somewhere between two and six or two and ten, whatever. But I just don't think that there's enough evidence out there right now that I've heard or that I've seen to make me think that somebody else besides Caleb Williams would be your consensus number one overall pick. Well, as much as I don't like the idea of Caleb Williams as the starting quarterback for the Bears. If it's not Caleb Williams or it's not Justin Fields, I'd really be a Drake May. I, come, stop. Stop. No. No, thank you. Again, I, I know I've been scolded for this opinion, but just the, the simple the simpleton in me is Mitch Trubisky 2.0. I, no, thanks. No. He's, yeah, he looks, he's going he's gonna to measure right, and he's going to look the part and all that stuff. No. Mm-mm. No, either Caleb Williams or Justin Fields. That's who's QB one next year for the Bears. Yeah, I, it's going to be uh, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, Big Z, just you know, generally speaking, to a bunch of people at the Senior Bowl to find out what's going to happen, and is told that yeah, they're going to select a quarterback at number one. That's what most people seem to believe, and most people would take Caleb Williams. And I I don't I don't know why. That would upset anyone. I, I, I think I, even the, you know, I understand that the, the Justin Fields crowd, I understand how his wow plays kind of overwhelm everyone. But I, I wonder how, you know, Luke Getze in a uh, job interview and he got a job talking about why his offense didn't work better. If he can show you tape, well, th- we, d- we should have had this play, that play, and this play. But we did get these wow plays because the guy is an amazing player. But the wow plays aren't how you march down the field in the NFL. And I think we all need to be focused and coherent when we uh, address that kind of situation. So, I, I, you know, I really like Justin Fields. I really think he's a good guy. I think that he's a, a guy that can communicate and will show up, good teammate, show up at uh, – at everybody's golf outing and do the right thing and just a good man. I also think that that they are going to be looking for an upgrade in terms of getting a better quarterback. That's just the reality of life at this point in it. So I think Caleb Williams will most likely, more likely than not, be the Bears quarterback. And if they were to trade the pick and stay with Fields or um, – try to pick up a lot of stuff, they'd still take a quarterback at some point. 
That's obviously a, a pretty intense question. That's the voice of Luke Getze. The Raiders are hiring Luke Getze as the OC. So does that mean the rest of the league didn't consider Getze as a problem for the Bears offense as people in Chicago did? Or is it just a product of the NFL that recycles play callers? Or is it a little bit of both? I think it's got to be a bit of both, doesn't it? I mean, I think when you look at Luke Getze getting a job, and again, you know, what if he ends up being real good at it? How would you feel? Have we contemplated that idea? Um, He was sort of a, he did a really good job in his first year figuring out what Justin Fields can do and sort of building around that at one point. And then the second year, he was trying to get Justin Fields playing in his sort of uh, system, and it didn't work. It didn't work. So I think he had to kind of go back to doing what he was doing before. I, I, You know, clearly him getting a job has something to do with the number of offensive coaches moving and the number of different guys. But it says at least one team uh, believed his story and thought that his system could work. And they probably believe that he learned a lot while working in Chicago, his first job as a play caller, and the guy's got some, he's got some skill at that. And I think it, I don't think, I think that the years with the Bears may end up being a blip in his career. Well, there's a, there's a lot here, and it looked like game, set, match, right? Cliff Kingsbury was going to be the Raiders' OC. That's, I mean, that's where that's where all of our minds were at and goofing around about what kind of villa is he going to buy and you know redo that picture that he's so famously known for, yada, yada, yada. The Raiders clearly need help at the quarterback position. Their coach, who I, I think they made the right hire, is a defensive guy. They have to have an offensive guy. And all of a sudden, the commanders sweep in and then you start thinking about the Bears again. You start thinking about quarterback, and you start thinking, wait a minute, Kingsbury was here in Chicago for an interview, didn't get the job. Now the commanders swoop in. They've got the number two pick, and they would love to have Caleb Williams for a variety of reasons. And is this part of why did they did the commanders overpay for Kingsbury to get him to come there thinking that this would help their chances of landing Caleb Williams? Is that what's going on here? So there's a, there's a lot going on here. And, and listen, Luke Getze seems like a nice enough guy. Is there any way in the crazy world that we live in, is there any way that Justin Fields ends up as the Raiders quarterback in a reunion, a reunion with Justin Fields and Luke Getze in Vegas, and then it works between the two of them out there? How crazy would that be? You post some interesting points there, Dustin. Number one, I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury ending up in Washington makes it any more likely the Bears are going to trade that pick. They still have to trade that pick for that all to come together and have everyone to live happily ever after in D.C. As for Luke Getze and Justin Fields reuniting in Vegas, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You think Luke Getze wants to coach Justin Fields again? I don't. Maybe I'm misreading that, but no way does he want that to be the case. He wants to have a quarterback who actually would fit his offense. We know that his offense doesn't fit Justin Fields. We saw it for the first four games. So Getsy going to the Raiders is it's it's NFL 101. Guys get second chances to call plays. We recycle play callers and offensive coordinators all the time. What's interesting about this one especially is that Antonio Pierce is he was the interim head coach. This is the first time he's going to be the permanent head coach. He's not an offensive head coach. So Luke Getze has some clout. 
He's going to have some power. He's going to be in Vegas. I think Luke Getze's got a pretty good reputation around the league when you talk to people who aren't necessarily pinning the Bears' lack of success offensively on him. They're pinning it on him and Justin Fields. No way they work together again. I'd be shocked. This will be a pick six. There's your ball game. What did you think of the White Sox trading relief pitcher Gregory Santos to the Mariners, essentially unloading a reliever who could have figured into the closer role? Do the Sox need a closer? <laughs> That's just mean. I mean, if you don't have a lead, how do you uh, how do you protect the lead? Santos has a live arm, but I think that when you look at bullpen guys, there's so many variables, and it's so volatile from year to year to the predictability I understand why they might want to deal him in a season, in an offseason, devoted to trying to accumulate prospects, trying to get young talent. I don't know much about the what they got in return. I know that there's going to be some outfield uh, help on, on the way, but Gregory Santos, to me, had live stuff and was a, was a quality arm. That's why the Mariners wanted him. So I think Chris Getz is on his way to trying to replenish some prospects that he lost or just to get this organization back on track. So I, uh, I think that I understood the move, even though Santos is a guy you're going to probably see flourish with another team. Well, while you're keeping Dylan Cease around, as it looks like is happening, at least until the trade deadline, all-star break time next season, wouldn't you like to have his games get closed out and you blow off some fireworks over at 35th and Shield? So, yeah, I think they need a closer um, maybe they're going to go with, you know, who wants to grab a hold of that job, let a young guy, you know, see if he can do things in high leverage situations. But, yeah, I get that division is still – I know the Sox don't look great on paper right now, but that division is very winnable. Yeah, um, it didn't – I think David got it right. I don't know how much you need a closer if you're not going to be able to score a run. Um, I, I don't – I don't get caught up in this. I, I try to avoid, uh, I try to stay out of White Sox business as best I can, unless it's something where they're hammering over the head with some horrible move. Uh, you know, do I like it? Eh. Do I care? Yeah. Do I think the Sox have a chance of surprising anybody? No. No. Do they have a chance in a crap division? No. I would say no. So they've um, because no, yes, exactly. They've kind of throttled the fan out of me to a certain extent. <laughs> well, Dustin said the division is winnable. Winnable for who? Well, exactly. Well, what was the implication of, of there? Was that the Sox could actually put together a season where they could challenge or contend? The yeah. theme of last week's program, the Mully and Haw last week's show, anything is possible. <laughs> they lost a hundred and one games, which didn't but, seem possible. <laughs> I wasn't talking about the White Sox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, don't you have to try and spend a little money and actually do anything but try to get less bankroll or less contracts on the books? I, 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 it's hard, man. It's hard, Dustin. You wouldn't know. It's a difficult, difficult situation to deal with. Right back. What else do you want? No. 31264, a new building. You know, that's okay. all we want. Yeah, that's what we that. want. That's what we want for the Bears, and we want for <laughs> we want like a light rail system to connect the two buildings, right? And 
have it go into the West Loop, and then you can, you know, really double down and uh, get yourself. Uh, I'm going to the game, and then I'm going to the Hawks game via uh, via White Sox Park, and uh, I'm going to see the Bulls play there too. What do you think? I think that would be a great way to spend a September Sunday, one September in That's the future. Right. Yeah, be fun. Would go be fun. with the mayor and the president. <laughs> Mr. President. Mr. President, Mr. Mayor. Mr. President to you. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> Bring your Bible. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, you got to figure out a way to get that uh, that ballpark out of the light rail, though, so you can just go right to the Hawks or the Bulls game after a Bears game. I guess that's a question. If the Bears break ground in the south lot, does that mean there is no the 78 project? Can they do both? I don't think so. I think they already broke ground on the 78, didn't they? I thought they that was going up real fast. <laughs> you think they did over the weekend? Oh, it'll be up in four months. They got their winter, the winter shovels out? You'll, you'll yeah. be like walking by. You'll be like, what the hell? Is that thing, is that inflatable? Where did they get that thing? <laughs> that's, what, that's what the prayer is. It's Mully and Haw. We've got the extra point next on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 the score. As the Chiefs try to become a repeat Super Bowl champion for the first time since the Patriots in 2003 and 2004, how big of a distraction do you think Patrick Mahomes' father getting arrested for a DWI will become, or is Mahomes and the Chiefs distraction proof at this point? I do think there may be distraction proof at this point. It's an unfortunate headline. It sounds like this is not the first time Patrick Mahomes Sr. has been in trouble for driving while intoxicated or under suspicion for driving while intoxicated. I think that according to the stories that he he served some jail time, uh, a a 40-day sentence back in 2018, and this is unfortunate, but it also is, is the world we live in. This is not just a, a local newspaper in Texas reporting this and people picking up it up. People Magazine, People Magazine reporting this. So it tells you the kind of celebrity we're talking about. It is Super Bowl week. Things uh, are much louder, especially when in Vegas. Uh, this is something that will be th- something they have to address. Unfortunately, you hope that Patrick Mahomes Sr., um, Stays off the road, uh, gets the help he needs, and I anticipate Patrick Mahomes Jr. dealing with this uh, as unflappably as he deals with everything else. It will be something, it could be a distraction, but I don't think it will affect his play, and I don't think it will affect the preparation. Well, I hope that you're right, David, because I have said that I want the Chiefs to win, and I'm picking the Chiefs to win because you're going to give me Patrick Mahomes and points yet again. I I woke up shocked because the, one of the first things I did was I went to my Circus Sports Illinois app and that the spread is still what it is. I, I thought it would adjust by a half a point based on this news. It's a distraction. You know, th- David, you mentioned there's a 40-day, you know, he's got a 40-day. This this could carry years. And no 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 matter how great of an attorney that Patrick Mahomes can obviously afford. You can't this these are things this is one of those things very hard to fix. You know, he, he could potentially be a three-time loser to this and and that's something very hard 
to fix. That becomes a distraction. Tonight is the, is the made-for-TV media night. He is going to be asked that question. It's going to be asked. It's going to be there. And he's going to have to answer this. And, and maybe he, maybe this is potentially why he is one of the greatest of all times. Potentially. He's got to win this game to be in that conversation. But uh, th- this is a distraction, and it could change things. And, and I am not as give me Patrick Mahomes in the points as I was 24 hours ago because of this story. Well, I, you know what's interesting about it is I think, David, you touched on it, the idea that this has happened more than once. Uh, he pleaded guilty in 2018 and uh, was given 40 days of community service, which he served on weekends. And that means the stakes are even higher this time. And you hear that he could get 10 years in prison for what would be would have to be then his third um, DUI. Uh, I, I, I do not... Um, I do not know all the details of that, but it, it's just, it's it's an embarrassing, unnecessary story at this point. I think Patrick Mahomes is is used to dealing with a lot of stuff and used to, it, but it's now, now he's got to get a lawyer for his father. He's got to, you know, I, I, and he's not going to be on the phone doing this. This is more of a post um Super Bowl type story, but it has to be at some level just another thing you can add to the list of things that he's had to deal with. We saw the guy win a Super Bowl on one leg, for God's sake. So this is, I think, less than that uh, physical ailment. But I think that it's just the sort of thing that could be impactful in some way. I I think Mahomes is extraordinary, and he's got that Tom Brady thing where he can shut it all off and concentrate on the task at hand. But the the reality is they don't win the game unless he has a good game, and you would like all the elements around him to be perfect. But this is just life kind of chiming in. I think it also plays into – you don't want to reduce it to this, but it also is just another thing – that Patrick Mahomes has to deal with in the way of adversity in a season that's been full of adversity. So you look at the things that they have overcome and how poorly he has played at times, and this hasn't been you know, the, as, as easy of a path to the Super Bowl as he's had in previous years. And this, to, I think they'll probably look at this as the, just the latest, the latest obstacle in their way. Right. And it's different. It is different. I, I'll acknowledge that, but I, but I think that – when you condition yourself to deal with things like this, that it's it, it lessens the blow, perhaps. Yeah, I I think that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, he has there there have been huge problems that have hung over his head before at different points, and you'd never know. I right. I, I just think he he's a very strong-minded, strong-willed, you know, cool customer, and um, I think he'll be able to overcome it. But again, you know. The timing of this stuff's never ideal, and uh, and and you could have done without it, and probably done a little bit better without it. But um, I don't think in any way it would change my opinion of the Super Bowl. I wonder if Patrick Mahomes Senior will address it on his weekly podcast. Does he do a weekly? Podcast? Yes, he does a weekly podcast. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, everybody, the whole free world has got a podcast. Patrick Mahomes Senior has a podcast. 
a former MLB pitcher. I, you know, he's he's a guy. He's got something to say. What I'm does sure. he talk about? Does he just it, interview his son? Well, according to People uh, Magazine, it is the Big Mahomes Show, a weekly podcast that pulls the curtain back on professional sports with coverage of all things sports, according to the series Instagram page. So you got to get an IG to really appreciate it, Molly. I'm, I'm running out of time in the day. There's so many podcasts I got to monitor now. <laughs> well, add, add one to the list. All right. Here's, don't, here's don't, another one. Yeah, don't take time away from Take the North, but you want to add this one. Yeah, no, I yeah. won't. I won't okay. cancel that. Yeah. But uh, goodness gracious, that's uh, – I mean, the, what I love about the Take the North is you actually just kind of talk football, you know. Kind of, kind of, yeah. That's, that's kind of the idea. I'm uh-huh. not, yeah. not going into too many details about, you know, what happened over the weekend. Exactly. No. <laughs> not this weekend. How was your week? Was your weekend okay? I, I went to the Loyola game yesterday. Oh, how was that? Go Ramblers. Big win. Yes. They beat Davidson. It was a fun game. Uh, the crowd was outstanding. And I went with my buddy Bob Napleton, his wife Claire. We had a great time. That's great. It was yeah. really fun. You know what was the best thing about it? And quality I'll, company there. Oh yeah, quality, quality people. And you know, Bob, we actually talked yep. about you at one point. Your ears must have been burning because right. we were talking about uh, being at the Final Four, and yep. you were kind enough to come by and chat with us. You were covering it. We were just uh, traveling for laughs and giggles, but uh, it, it was like Sister Jean gave like a speech to the crew to the before the game they had her roll out and talk and then wayne mesmer sang the national anthem i mean it it was like a chicago glory day it was just fantastic wayne is great yeah every event a bigger feel to it has a presence about it that's great that was sunday loyola wins they're having a really good year. I, I ran into that 5K at Soldier Field oh, yeah. on Saturday and realized that uh, maybe I was a little bit under the weather. Oh, well, that's great, though. Yeah. That, that's that's <laughs> a wonderful thing to do. It was, it was well, a little chilly. It, it was, was a little, little unseasonably chilly. Yeah, a little chilly. Yeah. I, I, I've, had better, I've had better runs. Chilly, but, uh, chilly today, hot tamale. You yeah, know how it is. It was good. It was a good turnout. Nice, nice event and, and uh, a lot of fun. Excellent. That's great. All right. We, uh, we've got... Uh, uh, we've got your calls, 312-644-6767. There's a lot of really fun little stories going on. So we'll get to it, and we'll talk to you next. Mully and Haw on the score. I got a call from the Caleb Williams camp, and they went, whoa, 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 Colin. We don't, want to be, we don't want to be painted as anti-Chicago, and we don't want to be painted as anti-Bear. And they, and they made it clear to me that they said, listen, we don't want to go to a city that doesn't care. Chicago cares. They're big, loud, they're passionate. They fire coaches all the time. They care. We don't want to go to some sunbelt place where you tarp off the upper deck. And they did say there is a path to succeed in Chicago. It's called the Houston Texans. Defensive coach, couple of weapons, cap space, good pick. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 score. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is Colin Cowherd on his own Colin Cowherd show telling you what went uh, on after he reported that uh, Justin, or excuse me, that Caleb Williams wanted no part of the Bears. I'm glad he did that. Clarify. I I think he did clarify it. He walked it back. He did walk it back. I have a lot of respect for Colin Coward. Uh, I think, though, that it was necessary because that was a clumsy, clumsy day because it created 
all kinds of consternation. And some of this stuff is, is indelible, Molly. People won't hear the correction. You know how it is. The, the story you always used to we always get, get accused. Well, it's, it's all over the front page. It's all over the back page. It's all over huge headlines. And then when something happens, you know, when somebody is, 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 is the, the second part of this story, it's like buried. <laughs> and Colin Coward backpedaling on Friday was necessary, but really uh, it's a shame that he had to because now all people are going to remember, oh, yeah, see, Colin Coward, he's just saying that because Caleb Williams doesn't want to play in Chicago. Until you hear from Caleb Williams, I wouldn't believe anything. Yeah, that is a good way of putting it. And and didn't he say when he announced he was coming out that, you know, it'd be an honor to play as the number one pick wherever he went? I mean, he said something along those lines, and he said nice things about the Bears. And, I, you know, is that the path forward for the Bears? Do you look at the Bears and say Houston Texans? Isn't their defense a little better than that? Well, it is better than the Houston Texans, which should even encourage you more. I think what – the reference point might be is that defensive-minded head coach. You have a defense that can you know, get you to the playoffs if you have a quarterback that makes all the right decisions and, and you know, plays as well as C.J. Stroud did. In Caleb Williams' mind, he's probably better than C.J. Stroud, right? He's got to think that way. So he probably looks at the Texans as a model where next year he believes that the Bears take him, he can lead the Bears to the playoffs. Right. Right, and and I would imagine he thinks of himself as as good a player as C.J. Stroud, and I, I know Stroud was the second quarterback taken, but if he had come out last year, Stroud probably would have been the third quarterback taken, to be brutally honest about it. No doubt about it. This is a guy in Caleb Williams who we heard the audio throughout the week. or He once compared himself to Patrick Mahomes. That was him doing that. He's got a very – high opinion of his ability. He's got a very healthy arrogance that every quarterback, frankly, needs. So I don't think he looks at C.J. Stroud and says, I can't do that. He probably says, oh, I could do that, and I could do it better. 312-644-6767. Let's try Vinny. Vinny is in Vernon Hills. Hey, Vinny. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me on. But um, with this new Kingsbury hire, I mean, Caleb's from Washington. Kingsbury was his coach. I feel like it's set in stone, you know. I feel like Caleb, Caleb Williams is going to Washington. Well, I mean, it's fair to feel that way, and it's fair to feel like they want him. But I don't think that you can force a trade unless, you know, the Bears want to make a trade. They control the number one pick in the draft, and I, I don't believe – I mean, it's happened before where players have demanded to be in a certain place and trades have been forced. I don't know that that's the case in this one. I want to follow the logic here. So is it this assumption that because Cliff Kingsbury is now calling plays for the team that is in Caleb Williams' hometown, that Caleb Williams will dictate that he won't go to the Bears because he wants to orchestrate a return to D.C.? I don't don't know how – necessarily how much I would buy that. And I also don't think that it's very feasible because everything looks like it could be symmetrical and Caleb Williams could go back to Washington, D.C. The Bears have the power here. 
they don't have to make a trade regardless of who's on the commander's staff. They could hire the dad as the consultant. It doesn't matter. The Bears have that number one pick, and if they want to use it on the quarterback, they'll use it on the quarterback. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, the reality is it doesn't matter how much you want something. It What matters is, is whether you can get it and what you have to give up for it. So I'm sure – the Bears are going to be hearing from a lot of teams that want that number one overall pick. And there will be a lot of teams doing their uh, due diligence, calling in, hey, what would it cost? And, you know, you take all those calls and you think through everything that's offered. And then at the end of the day, you make your decision on what you want to do. It's as simple as that. But another team is not going to dictate how you no. – handle your business and and if the suggestion is that Caleb Williams has the power I guess that is a fair point but I just don't know that he's going to exercise that kind of leverage or if he does then everything that we have heard about him liking the Bears the Texans model all of those things are are suddenly you know not valid or invalid and I just don't think we have enough proof to say that yet yeah that's fair that's a good way of looking at it all right we've uh we're going to talk about what's going on in the NBA we are you know it's Super Bowl week and we're going to be talking about the Super Bowl it's also NBA trade week and we know one Bulls player that is very unlikely to be dealt um are there deals out there for them we should discuss it a little bit and we'll do that next. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio 670. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 